0: Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Society, Theory, and Debate. I am Henry, and I am here with my two friends.
1: Hi, uh, my name is Joel. I am uh, the local math expert, um, which I've found out is completely useless when talking about things like society and
0: politics.
2: And I'm Cora. I am a student studying microbiology and health science
0: and I am the only one actually researching anything to do with society theory or debate as an economics major. We are all here today because we have been sent away from school in response to the recent coronavirus epidemic, and we thought we would take this opportunity to share with all of you some of the things that we are doing in our research and as debaters at our college. Now, we understand that there has been a lot of coverage about coronavirus in the news, in person, and no doubt on your social media. Gross. But we don't want to talk about that, because at this point, it's gotten a little bit stale. So instead, we're going to talk about what you've been doing with your time (laughs) over this unfortunate coronavirus.
1: And we know what you've been doing. You've been saying on social media...
0: Exactly. So we want to talk about social media and the amount of time you are probably spending there. Today I'm going to have my friend Cora moderating while I talk about the merits of social media and Joel talks about the drawbacks. So I'm going to hand it over to Cora now.
2: So today we'll be deciding, is social media a positive force in your life and if you should log off social media? We're breaking this into two different discussions One, how does social media affect individual relationships? And the other is how social media impacts group relationships. So starting off with how social media impacts individual relationships, I'm starting off with the question, how does social media affect the quality of relationships? Henry will begin.
0: Yeah, so I think it's a little bit foolish to claim that social media relationships could be as good as or better than those ones. Clearly, there are aspects which social media is not able to mimic. I'm going to tell you, though, that social media relationships do have real value and often are able to bring value when we could not otherwise have it. I think social media is effective in creating real happiness and connection because... Sometimes all you need to get that little burst of happiness in the middle of the day is that uh, text that says hi or happy birthday from a person you didn't even remember you knew when it is your birthday. I think that even these little connections can be important because it still reminds you that there are people out there who care about you, reinforces that, and is able to benefit you in the long run because it, it inspires relationships later on.
1: Uh, so you bring up this idea about having lots of smaller connections and you actually kind of bring up a point that I was going to bring up when you say when, – when you receive a Facebook notification from someone that you don't even remember that you knew, which is important because I think that a lot of the people on your friends list, you don't actually remember – know well enough to have a meaningful interaction, or the communication line is just stopped. You're literally just friends on Facebook. That doesn't mean, and just because you have friends on Facebook doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting meaningful communication out of it. Um, and also, on this idea of having lots of like micro-relationships, is what we'll call them, I, 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 I think you've already admitted, and I think that I tell you that it's much better to have fewer, stronger relationships than lots of miniature ones. Why? Because the the if, if you had less, more meaningful relationships, um, obviously they'd be a lot more impactful on your life. Uh, you would actually have someone you could call your best friend and have it actually be your best friend, not just a friend on Facebook.
0: This is where I disagree, though, because I don't really see how social media necessarily detracts from these more significant relationships, as you put them. Of course, we want strong relationships, but I think social media does a number of things. It offers a portal to get more casual relationships as well as those. They can be additive, not mutually exclusive. But then also, I see every day stories of social media bringing people together into effective long-term relationships, those ones that you talk about that are in-person and build those incredibly real connections. But they would not have started if people did not simply comment on the same post in social media, see that they both had the same interests, or uh, remembered that person from middle school, thought, hey, I wonder what they're up to, and got a copy, right? Relationships can be created because of the communities you join and people you talk to on social media, and I don't think we can ignore that fact.
1: No, and we can't, but you also admit that relationships can be formed through social media, but that doesn't mean that they have to always be formed through social media. And in fact, I would argue that social media is setting a precedent in society and it's changing what it means to be in a relationship with someone. I don't mean a romantic relationship. I mean being acquaintances or being friends with someone. I think that whenever you have these less meaningful, casual relationships, as you call them, it dilutes what it means to meaningfully interact with people. I think this causes people to not have the same meaningful interactions because they use social media as a scapegoat. Oh, I can use this to gain meaningful, uh, I can can use this to gain meaningful relationships, but they don't actually gain any meaningful relationships. I can tell you that I have like 300 friends on Facebook, I don't really message any of them, and I don't really communicate or have a meaningful relationship with most of them. I usually use it just to like, look at my mom's photos, but I already have a meaningful relationship with her in person, not through social media.
2: My second question is, how does social media affect the accessibility of relationships?
0: And if I could start this off, I think that's where it really comes down to the value of social media. Because once again, I never wanted to prove that social media was more valuable. But the fact is that in a constantly evolving world, it is often difficult for us to find time to go meet friends at the coffee shop. Right? We all have jobs, school schedules, incredibly hectic lives and responsibilities that call us away. And sometimes, while we're waiting for the bus, it is just advantageous to look down at your phone and say, hey, that's a person who I am still interested in their lives. I'm curious what's going on with them. And it offers you that opportunity to reconnect or continue that connection, which you are able to do at that point without social media. It is difficult to find the time in the day to communicate with more than a couple close people. And I think that it's important to have more than just one or two relationships, but to have at least a small network of people who are there to look out for you.
1: So you bring up this idea about uh, society changing and us not having enough time to be able to form these meaningful relationships in person. And I admit that society and technology, things like the internet, have caused us to become more efficient as a society, and that causes us to not have as much time. But the question, the counter question that I would ask is, what about just even recently before the internet and before the technological advancement of the 21st century, where individuals in, say, the 1950s or the 1960s, we're still able to, A, form these meaningful relationships, and you bring up this idea about about people sitting at the bus. And uh, that little space of time enables us to check Facebook and form meaningful relationships. Well, back in the 60s, I think that people who were sitting at the bus were then forced to have these meaningful relationships and create relationships with people around them, vicinity-wise. And I think that that has really gone away with social media because it is so expansive and because it's easy for you to connect with someone so far away. Once we're able to easily connect with people so far away, it causes us to not connect with those that are close to us. And I think that that is harmful.
0: I don't think that's necessarily true because it's not always beneficial to connect with people who are in our geographical area. We might have nothing in common with them. For example, Someone who is homosexual in the Middle East is going to have a hard time finding people who support their lifestyle, right? And at that point, we think it's good to offer them long-distance relationships, but we'll talk more about that later. Mm-hmm. I think also in that question, you've just kind of romanticize the past, whereas I, I think people were more likely just to read their newspapers or do something else. It's difficult to approach someone, and I don't think we'll do it naturally. By continuing building upon old relationships through social media, we will be able to more effectively communicate with the people we are interested in communicating with.
2: We're now going to move the discussion onto how social media impacts social interactions. And we'll start off with the question, how is social media used as a tool for group socialization?
0: Okay, and I know I just talked about this, but I think eliminating the geographical imperative of forming groups is incredibly important. Right now, given the fact that I live in Alaska, I would probably have a hard time finding someone who was more interested in playing field hockey than regular hockey, right? But if that's something I am passionate about, then that is something I should be able to pursue. Our geographic location is a poor basis to randomly assign our relationships. I might have nothing in common with my next door neighbor. And it is preferable that I should be able to build a relationship with someone, regardless of where they are, based upon common interests. And I think the vast majority of people who are on social media are doing it to Keep in touch with relations that aren't geographically near them, such as grandparents, siblings who have moved out of state, or finding people with shared passions who have new ideas that you're able to engage with properly because you're passionate about them.
1: Yeah, so like, it's, it's going to be really hard for me to attack this idea that social media can obviously bring people together from long distances away. I think that that's pretty self-evident in how social media operates. What um, I think that Henry is missing is that this idea of forming groups with people who have similar interests doesn't only apply to people who are interested in field hockey. I think that this also, in social media, can also create echo chambers is what you're getting at but these echo chambers aren't only good echo chambers i think that facebook and social media can create white supremacist groups i think it can create groups where people can go and like share child pornography and we think that that is harmful uh and even in and i admit i don't think that the number of white supremacist facebook pages is even remotely close to the number of hockey pages or Harry potter fan fiction pages um but i still think it's Worse off that we are able to enable those people to do that to do that in society. So that, that's one of the big things that groups does. It doesn't only create groups for the good people; it also creates groups for the bad people. But the converse of finding people with similar interests is also finding people who has diffs ha, who have dissimilar interests. And what do I mean by that? I mean if you go on Facebook and you see that a really close friend of yours likes the Occupy Democrats Facebook page and you are a strong, you know, Midwestern American Republican and you see that your friend likes this other Facebook page, we think that, hey, this has happened in the status quo. But this literally causes people to get in like bickerments and arguments with each other. Over things that they uh, uh, that they do not share interest in, we think that this looks like increasing political polarization, right? Regardless of, um, and and I agree. Facebook is a tool for you to find common interests with other people, and one of those common interests can be politics. And at the, at the point which we allow, and I would argue even almost encourage politics on Facebook, it causes people to get in these far-right echo chambers, these far-left echo chambers. It reifies these ideas, and it causes demonization of the other side, which is a problem that we see in America, a problem that is like collaborative rising with uh, 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 social media.
2: Okay, and, that and, I brings, think, and that brings us to our next question, which is how is social media used for social movements?
0: Okay, and I'd like to get into that, but uh, just last little word on the last question. <laughs> I think it's important to look at what the majority of people are using social media for. And I think most people are on there just because they want to create those positive relationships. People realize that toxicity can hurt them, and they don't want to be those internet trolls sitting in their basement all day and fighting online. That's not our most of our vision of the best life. Mm-hmm. But moving on to social movements. I think social media is an immensely valuable tool. It, and it allows us to create grassroots movements more effectively than we ever have been able to in history. Because we are able to directly interact with every person around the world. And Due to the nature of the social media algorithms, we are able to prioritize those movements which actually have the support of the people, where those movements are actually popular. And I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing, because throughout history, politics has only been dominated by the people with the most influence and the most money who are able to purchase newspaper ads or work through the television, right? But social media doesn't cost anything. It's based upon popularity. And it's possible for people to make real change because of it. So as much as it might create echo chambers, it more often than not is going to inspire people to make that change in their community that they wanted to make. It's going to be able to enable them to coordinate with other people with the same interests and to make That change that you want to see, whether it's deciding the direction of the next presidential election or just fixing a few potholes, you are able to coordinate with the people you need to talk with to make that happen.
1: So I am a big fan of social movements. I think that they're great. And I'm not going to come up here and tell you that I think that social movements are bad. I think that Facebook is a way that social movements and grassroots movements are able to be created. And I think that that is a good thing. What I don't like about it is this idea that we're becoming dependent on social media for these things to happen, right? And I look to uh, one of my close friends that I went to high school with. Um, had to get a Facebook page just to be able to participate on his high school basketball team. He was literally forced to get a Facebook page um, just so he could easily communicate with the basketball team. And I think that this is harmful, and I think that as a society, we're becoming too dependent on social media at the point on which it's intertwined in almost literally every part of our lives, social movements, politics. Uh, Literally, individuals are getting their news from social media, which we think is harmful and we don't think, although the outcomes are good, I'm not going to deny that, I think the mechanism for us to get these outcomes are bad. I think it's possible for grassroots movements to happen without social media, and even if they're not effective, I still think it's better because now we're not dependent on social media for these things to happen.
0: So I think what this really comes down to is the question of whether we as individuals are able to use social media as a tool effectively. We understand that there are some problems associated with fake news and the algorithms which are created for a profit incentive. But I think we've also all read those articles. We're also intelligent individuals, I I think um i don't know and we're able to see through that and make the decisions that will really benefit us and at that point i think each one of us has the capacity to use social media well
1: um I and I agree for the most part I think that we are all competent social media users but I would definitely not contest that the average American is a competent social media user at the point which you know some people in America don't even some people actually think that the earth is flat and some people actually think that climate change is a hoax I don't think that you can say that those people are competent enough to be able to tell which news is fake and which news is not and to not buy into echo chambers that they're clean clearly going into and reaffirming their biases i don't think and i and i would i would argue over 50 percent of the population probably are competent facebook users but the for that small minority of that's not i think that it's harmful
2: and here we'll move into our final question which is should we log off social media
0: we've covered a lot of different topics already in today's discussion we've decided, we've discussed whether you as an individual will be able to form more meaningful and uh, more diverse relationships. We've discussed whether you will be able to form better groups and whether your political actions will be more effective. But what this final question comes down to is a question of whether you think you will be able to overcome all of issues which Joel has made apparent. Yes, there are issues with echo chambers. Yes, there are issues with the algorithm prioritizing um, certain kinds of articles and monetization. But I think to surrender social media as a tool is quite foolish. We should not forsake it simply because some people do not use it well, but we should look to the plurality of of the population and the good which is inherent in most of their actions. Most people are going on social media only to connect with people they care about, to learn more about the lives of their friends and relations, and create a positive change for themselves. And I think that should always, or that will always end up benefiting the individual.
1: I disagree. I think that even if you are a competent social media user and you still are able to determine which news sources are fake and which ones aren't, and you still are able to monitor your social media time effectively without spending too much time on social media, I tell you and I urge you to delete your accounts now so that you don't become so dependent on it, so that you can actually go out and form meaningful face-to-face interactions and have meaningful relationships without using social media as a as a Abusing it as a tool to gain easy access to dopamine in your brain whenever someone likes any of your posts or whenever you get um, or whenever you get notified for anything that Facebook does. Uh, I think that we as a society are becoming too dependent on it, and at the point where it's almost controlling every aspect of our lives, we need to and we need to now delete our accounts.
0: All right. Well, at the end of the day, the one thing I hope that has come out of this conversation is that you the listener have been able to better understand your relationship with social media critically think about how it has been affecting your life and at the end of the day we want to hear from you we want to hear what you have or who you think made the more persuasive argument in today's discussion what you think probably should have been covered, and specifically whether this discussion has made you change the way you live. We hope at the beginning of the next episode that we will be able to look over your comments and um, see if there's anything we missed. But for now, thank you for listening.
2: I gonna send us their comments.
0: You, you know, I really don't know. We'll figure uh, it out. I, I was hoping that they just listened to the second episode. <laughs> but thank you all. <laughs> STMD Hello everyone, it's Henry here once again, and at the end there I'm sure you heard me talking about sending us some feedback, but at that time we did not have any place for you to send us that feedback. So uh, between now and then I have created an email account for us at societytheorydebate at gmail.com, just those three words, nothing in between them, and we would love to Uh, get some emails from you guys. As I'm sure you have heard, making a podcast is pretty difficult when you're new, but I hope that the discussion was informative and valuable and that you truly enjoyed yourself. Until the next episode, I hope you are doing well and staying safe and washing those hands. Thank you so much for listening.